This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. If you happen to miss that uh, Cowboys-Jets game, spoiler alert, the Cowboys know how to stop simply 64 yards of rushing. More than that, we aren't really sure. Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80. My name is not Freddie. My name is Shay Cornett filling in for Mr. Freddie today. Happy to be here on a Monday, on a football Monday, where we've got a doubleheader of Monday Night Football tonight, Mr. Harry. So there's a lot of football still left to be played, and I am here for it. Yeah, Shay, my brain almost exploded this morning because if, if you know me, you know that I go through and watch every single football game to a T. And I didn't get to finish all the games this morning, but as soon as we're done, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably get off and I'm going to watch some more film while I'm actually watching the first Monday night football game. And then I get to watch the second Monday night football game. And then in between the halftime, I got to find some time to play with my kids. But I'm ready to rock today. It's Monday. Happy Monday. Birthday was this weekend. Celebrated oh. out there in uh, Colorado with my wife. I'm excited right now, Shay. Happy. You can tell in my voice. Happy belated birthday, buddy. That's thank exciting. You, what a you, great time you. to have a birthday, too. The fall, best time ever. Um, all right, here we go. We're going to get to the main thing. Let's do it. The main thing, the main thing. 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 The main thing with Freddie and Harry. The main thing with Shay and Harry today. The main thing is that the New York Jets didn't exactly do what Harry told them to do this weekend if they wanted to beat the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott looked good. He had two touchdowns. Zach Wilson, not so much. Three picks in his first start after Rodgers' injury as the Cowboys beat the Jets. 30 to 10. Uh, Prescott, 31 of 38, 255 yards, as I mentioned, those two touchdowns. Wilson finished 12 of 27, 170 yards a touchdown, and yes, those three picks. But but the biggest thing, and, and Harry, I'll let you elaborate on this, because we were talking in the pre-show meeting a little bit about the, the best recipe that everyone thought, everyone thought, to beating the Cowboys was to run the football. Yet, for some reason, the Cowboys didn't lean, I'm sorry, the Jets didn't actually lean on that good part of their entire offense. Yeah, Shay, it was very, very mind-boggling to me because it felt like we all knew what the recipe was for the New York Jets from an offensive standpoint going into this game this weekend versus the Dallas Cowboys. It seems to me like the only person that did not know the recipe for success in that game was offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. And I'll tell you why this is bad. And I understand that Aaron Rodgers came over. He's your guy. You put a lot on Aaron Rodgers because he you're familiar with him. He understands this offense and he's a veteran quarterback and one of the most respected people in the National Football League. But now Zach Wilson has taken over the quarterback position for this team. So things are different. Right. And I said this that as soon as Aaron Rodgers got hurt, Nathaniel Hackett shouldn't even went home none this week at all. He should have slept at that damn office. And what, what, what's, what, what, what they call it, Shannon, up there in New Jersey? What, what, a, what a Jets practice at? MetLife? No, no where they, they practice, practice at. Their practice facility. He don't know. They don't know. Yeah. Just keep it rolling. Come on. Somebody. Look, I'm somebody a Giants fan. Sam is Good the one Lord. that's a Jet fan. Sam okay, don't know. Sam, Sam don't somebody. know either. Well, <laughs> Just keep he should have slept at the practice <laughs> facility. Um, it, it, and I say that because – at that moment, at that point, after that first football, Monday night football game against, you know, the Buffalo Bills, you knew that Zach Wilson was going to be your quarterback. So you had to draw up and put a game plan together that best, in my opinion, protected Zach Wilson, but also gave your team the best shot and opportunity to win the game. It's no way, Shay, you go into that football game thinking that the New York Jets were going to rush the football 16 times 
in which five of those runs came from Zach Wilson. So 11 times you call run plays for your running backs, for your run game. And you thought you were going to beat the Dallas Cowboys, who arguably have one of the best players, if not the best player, in the National Football League on the other side and Michael Parsons. It, 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 make it make sense to me because sometimes simplicity isn't so simple. And coaches can make things harder than things are actually are when it comes to the game of football. I never quite understand the coach mentality of if we're saying it, if I'm saying it, and I've never played football. Harry, you have, so you've been, at least you have a different kind of inside track. But if I think it, how don't you think it? Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if all yes. of us on the outside are thinking it, how are you not thinking it? And Nathaniel Hackett, to his credit, after Aaron Rodgers went, done, they, er, went down, they did lean on the run game. It's not like he doesn't know this was a recipe for success. It's the way the Jets won the football game against the Bills, despite the Bills turning the ball over at an extremely high clip that month, uh, that that Monday night. So I don't quite understand why they didn't rely on it either. By the way, for those keeping track at home, the Jets only ran the ball 10 total times against the Dallas Cowboys in a really good pass rush. Brees Hall, who was their main bell cow when they did win against the Bills, only touched the ball four times. Okay? So you just simply can't have that. What Listen about the head- to that. Four yeah. times. It's bad. Um, let's hear from Robert Sala, the head coach of the Jets, about how he felt with the overall performance from the quarterback after their loss against the Cowboys. Up until we had to force it, you know, I thought he did a really nice job. He, he had a uh, that stri- the, the uh, strike route to um, Garrett for that big touchdown. I thought he did a really nice job at the end of half, uh, moving the chains, getting us some points. Um, it just, uh, like I said, it, the, that team when you have to get into a drop back game with those guys consistently, it's not it's not going to be pretty. All right. Uh, by the way, all five of Zach Wilson's sacks this season have come when he's been pressured, uh, going up against good D linemen and good defenses. Obviously, isn't good for anyone, and especially not Zach Wilson. So five sacks when he was pressured, none when he's not pressured. His completion percentage drops from seventy-seven percent to seventeen percent. So uh, you want Zach Wilson to be uncomfortable, turn the ball over, and lay flat on his back? Pressure him. That's really what it comes down to. Um, nonetheless, now now we open this up for a bigger discussion, and this we'll talk more about the Cowboys later on because. There's no doubt they've looked good this season, but there's more to dive into there. Going back to the Jets, Harry, and the way that they have to proceed with caution going forward. Right now, their only option is Zach Wilson. Again, we'll have another conversation about that later on. And now you fall into one and one on the season, and you lost to a good Cowboys team. It doesn't get easier. At least you're home, but you're home against New England, very good defense, and you're home against Kansas City. And we know how good Kansas City is. you got to figure out how to run the ball. And if it's not going to be with Brees Hall, at least find a way to utilize Dalvin Cook. Yeah, when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, right, and what the Detroit Lions were able to do uh, against them on Thursday night football, they were able to have success rushing the football. So if you're the Jets, when you actually get to that game, you want to try to run the football. At least lean on those running backs and put Zach Wilson in the best situations possible to have success. It also puts your team in the best situation possible for to have team success. Now, the game against New England, and one of the things that we know for a fact is that Bill Belichick is on the other sideline. And he's going to try to figure out a way to make your life a living hell from an offensive standpoint. So now it's going to be a little bit of a chess match. And their defensive line, and they have a guy over there named Matthew Judon, who is one of the best in the National Football League and and rushing the passer. You better get that run game going against New England because you haven't beat that football team in Lord knows how long. 
That's one of the dark clouds still hanging over the Jets organization is that they haven't been able to find a way to beat New England. You look at the two matchups last year, they found ways to lose those matchups. So Nathaniel Hackett is going to have to dig deep down inside. And also Robert Sala is the head coach. So at some point he has to step in and say, no, here's what we're going to do. Now you build what I feel like we need to do uh, around Zach Wilson. If that's rush the football. And then when you get into a third and uh, short third and two to five situations, now it's more feasible for you as an offense to, to capitalize and pick up those third downs. When you get into obvious uh, pass down situations, it's going to be a long day for that offensive line and also Zach Wilson. And and to go back to the Patriots too, forget not beating them. You don't think Bill Belichick sitting at zero and two going to take on the Jets that have Zach Wilson under center? You think he's licking his chops like okay? Mm-hmm. And here's where we get our first win, and it's going to be a convincing one. Let's move to the other side now. Let's move to the Dallas Cowboys because Harry, whether you like or hate the Cowboys, let's call it how we see it. They've played really well so far yes. this season. They've been, I guess, as advertised because I mean Jerry Jones has been trying to tell us how good they've been. Um, and when you look at Dak Prescott, 31 of 38, 255 yards, two touchdowns. The big thing, though, no interceptions. And while he didn't have to do a lot in that game against the Giants because the Giants basically shot themselves in the foot, he did enough, and he really did enough against the Jets and a very good defense this weekend. I would say, Harry, through two weeks, I think the Dallas Cowboys are the best team in the NFC. The Niners give them a run for it, but I also think – that's because of who they've played. I think they've played a Giants team that wasn't ready for football to start. I don't know what they were doing all summer <laughs> long. And they played a Jets team that didn't have Aaron Rodgers under center, and they're just trying to figure out what their identity is going to be this season and how they're going to proceed. With that being said, they've taken care of what they've needed to take care of, and that's the team in front of them, and that's everything that they've thrown at them, be that on the defensive side of the ball, special teams, or on the offensive side of the ball. And for that, i got to say, through two weeks, and it's only two weeks, and again, I'm not giving them all the credit, but I'm giving them some of it, the Cowboys have looked very good so what you're saying the Dallas Cowboys think think that these New York teams are sweet the big apple the big candy apples I should say for the Dallas Cowboys so they've been able to hold those teams to two points and two games so when you look at them from a defensive uh, perspective this defense is elite man It, it really is and it starts with Michael Parson but let me jump to the offensive side I think Mike McCarthy and a lot of us question like what he was going to be like from a play calling standpoint um, this season because we know Kellen Moore the job that he was able to do for the Dallas Cowboys the last few years. Mike McCarthy has put Dal- uh, Dak Prescott in the best situations possible unlike what we've seen from Nathaniel Hackett with Zach Wilson. You talk about a balanced attack when you're able to rush the football 44 times and then you only pass it 38 times but you understand the game and you understand uh, what's going on and you're ahead as a play caller. Right. And, and they mentioned this on Get Up and on other shows about how when Dak Prescott gets to the line of scrimmage, it's about, you know, 20, 19 seconds left on the play clock. That's because your play caller and Mike McCarthy is ahead of the curve. He already understands what could possibly go on on the play that he's recently called. And he has plays in his head for the next situation. So he's ahead of the curve in that. And it's been phenomenal. Uh, also, C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb has been that guy, man. He really has stepped up for this team. And you talk about a New York Jets defense that a lot of people think very highly of well the Dallas Cowboys offense were able to basically pick apart 11 receptions for 143 yards but for me it's the balance that Mike McCarthy has provided to this team and also Dak Prescott not being able to make those mistakes that we've seen in the past early on that's really been feasible for the for the Cowboys as a team
You know, the Cowboys are, are one of those teams, Harry, where I feel like it's like, can they get out of their own way? Can they get out? And they're not yeah. doing that so far this year. They're fully, they're full steam ahead. It's not them causing the issues. It's the other teams fully putting their embarrassing problems on display. And for once, I don't, I feel like, I feel like today after two weeks, Maybe we can trust the Cowboys because Mike McCarthy seems to be on it. Dak Prescott seems to be on it. Everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing. And that, to me, says something about what the Cowboys look like in 2023. All right, we have a little bit of breaking news. All right, here we go. Um, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes have restructured his agreement, giving him $210.6 million between 2023 and 2026. This is the most money in the National Football League history over a four-season span. His compensation for those years is now guaranteed. Also, the Chiefs and Mahomes plan to revisit the agreement again after the 2026 season, as told to ESPN by Equity Sports CEO Chris Cabot, who negotiated the deal on behalf of Patrick Mahomes. What well, do you think, Harry? I, I think it's warranted, right? I think Patrick Mahomes has earned this and earned this right because of his play on the football field. He is the best player in, in the game right now. Don't get me wrong. Michael Parsons is right there. Michael Parsons said, I'm, I'm coming. I'm not Dion, but I'm coming. Sure, but, but – my Mike Carson doesn't have rings, and he's not the quarterback. Well, I understand that. But he can go sack that quarterback, Shay. Sure. And, that, and that's what people look for. But Mahomes, man, you look at the improvision, and I look at the game that they had this weekend and what he was able to do when things weren't looking right. Being able to still make things right for this football team. We've seen on Thursday night against the uh, Detroit Lions how they were depleted on the offensive and defensive side because they didn't have their second and third best player. But you thought they had an opportunity because of Patrick Mahomes. And he still went out there and gave the Kansas City Chiefs an opportunity. So I love this move by the Kansas City Chiefs. They obviously know what they are doing when it comes to players and contracts. Yes. And it's just a thing of beauty to be able to see people get paid. I love seeing guys get their money. Look, they're, they're, we give this this title to some organizations like they're very well run. I feel like we've said it for a long time about the Ravens, although the Lamar thing kind of threw me off a little bit for a, a little while. But the Chiefs, they're well run. They're yeah. organized. Everyone's happy. You don't see a lot of complaining. Sure, we had the Chris Jones holdout, but hey, everything got worked out, not by week eight, by week two. So um, to me, I feel like they're keeping all their players happy. And maybe the Chris Jones situation pushed this along a little bit quicker. And hey, that's fine, too. Um, they want Patrick Mahomes to be the quarterback forever as long as he'll play there in Kansas City and doing things like this and he deserves it you're right he deserves every penny and then some he's the face of the National Football League he won the last Super Bowl and has won two in the last what three years four years so um, congratulations to him and and this is the way you keep your quarterback happy another quarterback that's been kept happy is Joe Burrow we'll get to him next ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance insurance for motorcycles boats and RVs for protection on the road and on the water see how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE Progressive and Progressive.com. Mark Andrews, goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Ravens! Mark Andrews, his first touchdown of the season, lobs it far side end zone, touchdown Ravens! Nelson Aguilar, a brilliant over-the-shoulder grab, and the Ravens extend the lead again! Sky's the limit for this team, you know, all phases. We fought today how we're supposed to, you know, in a tough game, and we just did what we were supposed to do.
well, I guess there's a little news, a lot of news, especially if you're a Cincinnati fan, that came out of that Cincinnati-Baltimore game over the weekend. Um, Lamar Jackson, Ravens, they held on to beat the Bengals 27-24, but Joe Burrow did aggravate a calf injury, and the Bengals now fall to 0-2, something the Bengals are accustomed to being. Uh, Lamar Jackson was good, 24 of 33, 237 yards. He ran for 57 more yards. Burrow, who did limp off the field after throwing off of his back foot for a short touchdown late in the game, finished 27 for 41, 222 yards, two TDs, passed for only 86 yards just a week ago in the season opening loss against Cleveland. Uh, You could have watched five minutes of that game against the Ravens and the Bengals, and you would have known the Bengals were going to lose. I I felt like they they don't look like they were up to speed. They caught up a little bit at the end, but I think the most concerning part about this, Harry – is Joe Burrow. Let's really quick hear from the quarterback of the Bengals on how that calf is feeling because that's a big story here. We're going to have to wait and see. I'm not sure how it's going to feel the next couple of days. Pretty sore right now, but no, no telling how it's going to feel. So I think we're going to take it day how by day. You, how did you tweak it? It was, on the, it was on the play before the last touchdown. Okay. Um, a few things. One, Joe Burrow being healthy, very important for a lot of reasons. He is your football team. He is everything. A calf, after what we saw with Aaron Rodgers, Harry, makes me extremely nervous. Yeah, not just Aaron Rodgers. I would also say Kevin Durant as well. Yeah, that's right. And, and you got right. you got to bring those two guys up. And you know, after those guys had those calf strains, those calf injuries, it was followed up by uh, an Achilles tear. And you don't want that for Joe Burrow. He is your franchise quarterback. He's the guy that gives you a, the best chance to win week in and week out. But if you have to, in my opinion sit Joe Burrow down for him to have some time off and get ready, I think that's the best decision for the Cincinnati Bengals going forward. And obviously, you know, within the first two games, they lost those games anyway. It wouldn't have been bad because this is a team that we've seen start slow, right, in in, in previous years, but found their stride and caught a heater within a certain part of the season. And we've seen what they were able to do, an NFL Super Bowl uh, appearance and also an AFC Championship game appearance. But if Joe Burrow isn't healthy, I'm not concerned about the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm concerned about Joe Burrow's health because if he's not out there, then they don't have the best chance, in my opinion, to win a Super Bowl or even reach one. I look at their next three games. They have the Rams coming up on Monday Night Football. They're at Tennessee and they're at Arizona. If you decide to sit them those three weeks, um, Hopefully you can probably win two of those games. This team started, I believe it was two and three last year in their first five games. And also, I'm sick of people saying that they started 0-2 in their division. Who cares? They started 0-3 last year in the division. This is a team, when they're healthy and when they're able to catch their stride and catch their heater, they're going to be okay. But right now, that's the question for Joe Burrow. And if Cincinnati has to sit him, they need to because you don't want something catastrophic to happen. And next thing you know, he's rehabbing something more serious. Yeah, I I don't want to say this was foreshadowed, and I'm forgetting who it was at training camp who basically – was it Jamar? Was it T. Higgins that basically It was Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, remember? And he was like, if he ain't fully healthy, I don't care how long he sits. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. He didn't say that way, but he was like, we don't need him right in the beginning. Let him get as healthy as he needs to get. And it's like that's what we're seeing now. Um, I will say this. Hurt or not, this Cincinnati offense hasn't looked what we're accustomed to seeing at the end of seasons. Game one, game two, hurt or not, it didn't matter. And and for that, Joe Burrow had to say this. Here's Joe Burrow again on on the way the Bengals have started so far this season. Uh, well, when when your quarterback misses camp, it's it's tough to it's tough to start fast. Uh, it's uh, it's not an ideal situation. 
Okay, so talking in the third person. I, is, I hear uh, him. Is Joe Burrow there? And, and, you know, he's missed almost every training camp, essentially, yeah. since he became part of the Bengals. So this has kind of become the situation. But, um, you know, you mentioned the three games they have in front of him, an opportunity if he needs to rest, maybe to rest and to figure that out. But uh, going on a rest break, if you will, to, to get right when you're already in an 0-2 hole, Harry, does make me a little nervous. The, the further point, though, that offensive line has got to get right because yet again it's the same problem uh, blocking scheme confusion sacks like it, it's it's every year it's like they change personnel and we have the same issues with the Bengals but I, I would say this though w- watching their game versus the Baltimore Ravens it wasn't just the offensive line it was also everybody else mm-hmm. in the skill position group right on the first drive of the game they have an opportunity to hit an explosive play to Irv Smith Jr. their tight end who's lined up outside Joe Burrow found him in a honey hole on the sideline and you're talking about a tight end that's not accustomed to dragging his feet didn't get one foot down Right. He got one, but didn't get the other one. So if he simply just gets, you know, both feet down, that's an explosive play. The drive continues. You look at Jamar Chase on a third and five down in the tight red zone, dropping a touchdown pass that Joe Burrow threw to him. You can't have that. And then Joe Burrow coming out and throwing an interception in the tight red zone. And then you had Tyler Boyd, the other wide receiver, their third, their third receiver, drop a touchdown pass in the end zone as well. So yeah, can't have that either. everyone else around Joe Burrow needs to do their part and also pick up their slack because I don't think they're contributing or they didn't contribute, you know, to the team winning versus the Baltimore Ravens, which was a divisional game, and that was upsetting to see. And, and uh, Zach Taylor was asked today about Joe Burrow's calf, by the way, Harry, and he just said there was no update. It's still sore. I'm, I'm told – or I'm told. I saw and read Joe Burrow wants to give it a few more sleeps before he decides how long he wants to be out for and how he's feeling. So this is very much up in the air, all of this for the Bengals going forward, but at least, like you said, there are some winnable games in front of them that maybe yep. give them the opportunity to be a m- little more lax with their quarterback. Um, coming up here on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80. Should the Dolphins be considered the favorite? to come out of the AFC. Before you quickly say no, think long and hard about that. More radio on the other side. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. All right, Freddie and Harry. I can listen to this song all day. <laughs> Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM, Channel 80. As always, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Shay Cornette filling in for Freddie here on a football Monday. We got a doubleheader Monday Night Football tonight, so we'll look forward to those games. And, of course, we'll preview them a little bit later on because that basically we bleed right in, essentially, to Monday Night Football. So we'll get to that later on. In the meantime, we were talking about the Cincinnati Bengals and essentially the entire AFC because we were going to start talking about the Dolphins. But then Zach Taylor, Jamar Chase, 
everyone had things to say around uh, around the Bengals tra- uh, practice facility today. So we got to get to that in just a minute, um, including revisiting what Jamar Chase said this summer and basically bringing it up again today. So again, as soon as we have that sound, we're going to get it to you because players and coaches at the Bengals um, practice facility are talking right now about the situation with Joe Burrow. The latest here is he has a tweaked calf, essentially. He's going to give it a few days before he essentially decides what he wants to do with it. Uh, Zach Taylor saying no real update. It's still sore. So everyone's kind of in this lingering position. And, Harry, I'm trying to pull up who the back backup is for Joe Burrow because, quite frankly, I don't even know. Um, that, I will do that. That's the worst part that we, none of us know. For all of us. Like, I, I'm like, <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know. Um, here, I'm about to tell you. It's Jake Browning. Okay, so Jake Browning. Oh, okay, so Jake, Jake Browning, he played at Washington. He was at the University of Georgia at one point early on in his college career before transferring to Washington. Uh, but I don't know if you want to just hand the keys over to him, but the Cincinnati Bengals might not have an op- uh, a chance, uh, a decision in that. They might have to do what's best for Joe moving forward so he can be the best version of himself. Yeah, and, and you know, Harry and I were talking about that offensive line not looking great obviously through the first two games not horrible but not great and if you've got a banged up quarterback and you don't feel like he's going to be protected properly then maybe that's the situation so again as soon as we have that sound we will get it to you in the meantime let's go let's stay in the AFC North here um, and let's talk about what's going on with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens because we were going to talk about that before and then we got sidetracked with the whole situation with the Cincinnati Bengals so Ravens are now 2-0 and and Lamar Jackson has lost some guys okay like he went into this game banged up and I feel like Harry it's the same story different day for these Ravens they always find a way despite being low on their depth chart even through just two weeks of the season already and I would say this I think the common denominator here is Lamar Jackson when this football team has been depleted by injuries because of injuries Lamar Jackson has been the savior and that proved again this past weekend against the Cincinnati Bengals. You were down two offensive uh, linemen, and I believe your center and also your your t- one of your tackles and J.K. Dobbins is out yeah. for the year. But Lamar Jackson and, and the Baltimore Ravens in that offense still found a way to get it done. And I I, I got to give my hat and tip my cap to him because he's a player that's just unique, dynamic, and if he's on the football field you have a chance against any and everybody. And I look at the first drive that they had, Shay. The first drive told me everything I need to know and how this football game probably was going to go. 13 plays, 75 yards, and took seven minutes and 48 seconds off the clock. And there was a mixture of run and pass. One of the things, looking at this Ravens team last week, I thought Todd Munkin didn't do a great job of still incorporating those quarterback runs that Lamar Jackson is so good at. They did it in this matchup. Two minutes. Drill right before halftime, right? The Cincinnati Bengals, they go down to score. You come right back and you get a field goal before things end. And then you come out on your first drive of the second half and he hits that explosive play to Zay Flowers. And boy, let me rave about Zay Flowers because that was my favorite wide receiver coming out in the 2023 NFL draft. And he has not disappointed. He's electrifying and they're trying to find any way possible to get him the football. But Lamar Jackson looked damn good. Third downs, they were 9 for 14, 64%. You're going to win a lot of football games if you're doing that. In the red zone, they were 3 for 4, that's 75%. You're going to win a lot of football games if you're doing that as well. That slot fade to Nelson Aguilar that Lamar Jackson threw on third and five, right in the bread basket, I said, damn, that boy bad. Might have to make my show on Thursday. My little segment that I have on Get Up, he might, have, he might make it. I don't know yet. He might make it, though. 
I, I loved the Zay Flowers situation, him getting more involved, obviously, in this offense. And maybe some of that was because OBJ did go down with an injury, which, by the way, it sounds like he's going to be okay. That's not going to affect his status going forward. But I, I feel like um, Lamar Jackson now just feels more comfortable with the weapons that he has around him. You get you get Mark Andrews back, which has always been his insur- uh, you know, insurance, if you will. And now he's utilizing Zay Flowers. And, yes, I feel like you and I on, on this show or other shows, Harry, have talked a lot about Zay Flowers and his potential and him having 62 receiving yards, but in moments that it mattered most, really was was a, a big deal for the Baltimore Ravens. And, and I'll I say this really quick, though, Shay, and yeah. I'm glad Lamar Jackson has the weapons now because I think that was the only thing that was separating him, in my opinion, from the other quarterbacks, is that all those guys had the weapons. Lamar Jackson didn't have the weapons. So now the playing field, in my, in my opinion, is even. It's even out now. Uh, so their next opponent, so they're 2-0, and uh, right? They took care of business at home against the Texans in week one, beat Cincinnati. So you're 1-0 in your division against the AFC North. Great. And now you have to go uh, at home. You welcome the Indianapolis Colts, who I would assume will not have Anthony Richardson under center, considering he left the game with a concussion. Um, I, I don't know for certain yet. I haven't heard. But if you don't have Anthony Richardson under center for the Indianapolis Colts, this suddenly becomes, it feels like, a more winnable game for the Baltimore Ravens at home. No, I, I would have to agree with that. And also, you look at the defensive side, they were missing Marlon Humphrey, also Marcus Williams, and they still found a way to win against the Cincinnati Bengals. So yeah. you got to give Jim uh, John Harbaugh a lot of credit in what he's been able to do with his football team, but also understanding his football team and figuring out ways to get a win and leaning on your uh, star quarterback, I should say superstar quarterback in Lamar Jackson. Yeah, so Jackson, 24 of 33, 237 yards, and he ran for 54 yards. So he was really good. Uh, Ravens are 2-0, and and they are at home against the Colts this coming weekend. And if they continue on this trajectory, we'll continue to talk about how great Lamar Jackson is. I am certain of it. Let's go back to the Cincinnati Bengals, the team that they beat this past weekend because we have that sound from Jamar Chase, Bengals wide receiver. Uh, he was at the, the practice facility earlier today and was asked about Joe Burrow, and here he is. You'd understand if it was like, hey, shut Joe down for a couple weeks to make sure he's 100% on the I other end. I did that from jump. You know, but yeah. I mean, live and learn. Okay. So if, if that was hard to hear, he said, we should have done that from jump, I believe is exactly what he said there, Harry. And Harry's smirking. Y'all can't see him. I can. Why? Um, I, I understand what Jamar Chase is saying. And, and was he right? Yes. But quickly in this business, you will learn some things just keep to yourself, (laughs) especially when, you know, things, those decisions could have been coming from higher up as well, too. Like you you don't want to get into that that chess match with, with, with people. Yes. Um, and and maybe when he's saying I, we should have done this from jump. Remember during training camp this year, he basically said if he's not ready till was it week eight? I have week eight in my head for some week five. I think it was week five. If he's not ready to week five, so be it or something like that. Then we'll we'll get by without him. I'm paraphrasing, but something like that. And so now he's saying that's why he's saying we should have done this from jump. But it wasn't. I don't. Was it his? Yeah, it was his calf during? So mm-hmm. he he feels like we're just gonna keep having this problem. Maybe like why didn't we just sit him from the beginning? getting till he's 100 percent i mean no one truly knows how long this kind of injury can take to heal right harry like this yeah is that's, a that's the that's the but yeah that's the bad part about it is because it's one of those things that you can't just get a grasp of and understand how long this player is going to be out or when he's going to be feeling like himself again it's basically week to week and how the player is feeling and everybody body uh, uh reacts differently but what you don't want is a situation like you had with aaron Rodgers because he had those calf injuries during training camp and also 
also in the OTAs. And then you had a basketball player in, in the NBA and Kevin Durant who had some of the same thing. So you don't want that situation to arise. And then next thing you know, you're really looking bad as a yeah. football team. Yeah, we've already had examples set in this situation. We don't need another one. Thank you, Joe Burrow. So if you're not 100%, that calf's not good, sit down. You've got some winnable games in front of you. By the way, this show, Freddie and Harry, right here on ESPN Radio today, 6 p.m. Eastern, we will welcome Kirk Cousins to the show, quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. Make sure you stick around for that because you know Harry and I are going to be asking him, could you possibly be heading to New York at mm. some point this Speak year? Speak on it. Let us know. Not that he's fully going to tell us, but if he hints at it at all, that's all we're asking for here. Um, coming up in the immediate future, though, here on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio, we're going to stick with Owen uh, 2 teams like the Cincinnati Bengals. How much blame does Justin Fields have for the slow start for the Bears? Uh-oh. I should say the standstill start. I don't even know if I can call it slow. <laughs> and how much is the coaching staff and others to blame? The Freddie and Harry Podcast. For the end zone, caught ball, touchdown Tampa Bay, Mike Evans. I think we have a long way to go, but um, you know, if we keep working, we'll get there. I think in this position, you know, too, you can lay down and just kind of throw in the towel and, you know, say whatever. Okay, they're, they're going to make me do this next segment, whether I want to or not, people. It's ready to hear <laughs> it's ready against bear. <laughs> it's, it's basically how I've been waking up every Monday morning. Like, did that just happen? That's what I feel like. I sound like uh, Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80. Shake Hornet, Harry Douglas here with you. I'm filling in for Freddie today on a football Monday. we got a doubleheader tonight in Monday Night Football. We'll get to that game a little bit later on. But instead, let me make everyone's Monday horrible and let you relive what I had to relive as a Bears fan yesterday. I don't understand what is going on. I, it, sure, there are bad football teams the National Football League. This team is horrendous. It's bad, okay? Justin Fields, let's start with the quarterback. Completed 16 of 29 passes for 211 yards. Doesn't sound terrible. It was. I I believe it was sacked six six times. DJ Moore had only six receptions for 104 yards, which let me tell you was like double, triple the amount he had in week one, which was confusing in itself. The Bears were limited to just 67 yards on the ground. However, the head coach, Matt Eberflus, had this to say after the loss to the Bucs. I see improvement. I do. I, I see improvement. <laughs> it was it was definitely uh, you know better. I, I see guys fighting. Um, I see guys. I see us executing in a better clip. Um, and it's a long season. And to me, we just got to keep doing that. And we got to keep doing that. And uh, good things are going to happen. And uh, you know the guys believe in that. You know the coaching staff believes in that. And uh, we're just going to keep moving forward after these twenty four hours. We're going to work and get to work on Kansas City. <laughs> Harry, Harry, is he kidding? Is he kidding? Shay, that's that coach talk, seriously, because... What kind of um, coach talk? Well, not the good good kind. Not the good kind at all, because I don't think he's being realistic. I don't think he's being real in that clip right there, right? So you're just saying stuff to, you know, take some heat off of the negative things that are going, going on with your football team at the moment, because he talked about improvement. I think the... Biggest thing that you wanted to improve this season had to be Justin Fields, your quarterback. And don't get me wrong, Justin Fields has uh, has has not put himself in the best positions to succeed this year. But I also don't think the coaching staff has. Right now, they have some moments where you have some things, and Justin Fields has to get the football out of his hands. But why would you call a screen backed up in your own end zone that gets thrown for an interception and, and touchdown? Nice. Like, like wh- wh- why do you do things like that? 
It's not like you've been good from an offensive standpoint. It's not like you've been good from a defensive standpoint. Like, so we just heard a head coach sit sit up there and lie to everybody. (laughs) Literally. No, 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 literally. I heard that sound today. I immediately called our producer and said, clip this, because I'm I'm – Baffled. I have no idea why he would say this. It, first of all, there has been no improvement. None. Okay? And from week one to week two, you'd start to think that everything kind of starts to come together a little bit. I don't know if it was regression or maybe you played a better football team. I'm not really quite sure. But the fact that you're repeating plays over and over again, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, go on any social media you can watch for yourself and you can see. They're literally running the exact same play in the exact same direction multiple times. And most of them are screen plays. On top of that, your quarterback continues to, because this was an issue last year, it was an issue in college, hold on to the football too long, okay? I don't know if that's on him. I don't know if it's on the coaching staff. I don't know if it's on the offensive no, line. No, that's on him. I, I, I'm okay. going to go, because uh, Shay, here, here's, the, here's the problem when it comes to Justin Fields, in my opinion. In the National Football League, we have this thing called anticipation. And at, at the quarterback position, you have to throw with anticipation. This is not college where you can see guys open and then you could probably fire it in there. If you don't throw with anticipation in this league, then you're going to have receivers getting covered up, tight ends being covered up. You're also going to have uh, yourself holding the football and getting sacked multiple times. All these things we've seen happen to Justin Fields. And I'm going to give you a young quarterback and an example of one who throws with anticipation – uh, versus Justin Fields, Tua Tungavaloa. Mm-hmm. Everything he does within the offense of Mike McDaniel is anticipation in the pass game. I know where my guy is supposed to be, so I'm going to let it go, and I'm going to trust that he's going to be there. Now, that's another thing. I don't know if Justin Fields don't trust any of his skill position guys the way he should trust them, because if you have that trust, quarterback wide receiver, quarterback tight end, He's going to let that ball go with anticipation. But this was some of the things that he struggled with in college. You can't wait in the National Football League to see things open. You have to understand when it's going to be open and where to put the football before that receiver get out, gets out of his break. That's just, the, that's just the life when it comes to the National Football League from the quarterback position throwing passes down the field. Yeah, let's hear from someone in Chicago, because, yes, I'm from Chicago, but I am not currently there. Tom Waddle, good friend of mine. Um, he's the host of Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN Radio on ESPN 1000 there in Chicago. I used to actually work at this station as well. And so Tom Waddle is a former player for the Bears, uh, been in that city for a long time, and has watched a lot of bad Bears football. And here he is on the quarterback situation right now. Is Justin Fields good? Not at the moment. In year three, he's got to start providing more solutions. When you are given the reins of an NFL offense, and what do they say? Too much is given, much is expected. We just haven't seen Justin provide the answers that are necessary, and we haven't seen the growth that we were all looking for through the first two games of this season. And the problem here, Harry, is is you already had a bad offense. This has been part of Chicago's – I've talked with you about Chicago's football DNA. It's always been shaky quarterback play, always, always, always. Even when they won the Super Bowl, you could argue they had – and this was in 85. You you could argue they had shaky – quarterback play Rex Grossman when they went to the Super Bowl against the Colts shaky quarterback play it's part it's part of their DNA but at least you always held your hat on on a good defense and a solid run game and all those are out the window now too and you have guys like David Montgomery and I know he got hurt this weekend for Detroit but he goes to Detroit and balls out immediately like these are good players you have you let Roquan Smith walk out the door a good defender that you had you had looking good for the Baltimore Ravens right now of course he did he's a good player you have good young talent you let them walk out the door and you didn't 
replace them with anyone. And now all facets of your football team are bad. The coaching staff seems confused. The offense is bad. The offensive line is terrible. Your skill position guys are out of place, and your quarterback doesn't trust them. He's holding on to the ball too long. The defense can't stop anybody, and you're running multiple plays consecutively over and over. It's a mess. It's an absolute I, and, mess. And I, would, I, and I would ask the question, Shay, and in a rhetorical way, does Justin Fields trust his coaching staff when it comes to his skill set? But also on the flip side of it, does the coaching staff trust Justin Fields with their system and what they want to do? And I think it, it's crazy that, that I say that because when I'm looking out on the football field, it's not like it's a marriage. It, it looks like it's a, you know, something bad. I, I, I have no idea. It doesn't look like anyone trusts anyone, and I don't trust anyone either. <laughs> As I'm watching it, I'm like, this is, they're like, it feels like 103 in Tampa. I'm like, I don't care if it feels like three degrees. They look confused no matter where they are. The heat just added more problems. Let's go to a good football team next here on Freddie and Harry. We'll go to the Dolphins next. Thanks for listening to the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to Freddie and Harry live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app, the Freddie and Harry podcast.